What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. 20th Century Studios presents Vacation Friends 2, only on Hulu, Friday. Look at us, all together again. We just wanted to give you guys a real honeymoon. Shots! 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 This Friday. He was just released from jail. Where can I get a drink around here? Back on vacation. This place is nice. It's drug lord nice. I'm sorry, drug lord nice? With more baggage. Ever since he showed up, he turned this relaxing vacation into total chaos. Who does that? Vacation Friends 2, rated R. Streaming only on Hulu, Friday. Welcome back to the death lineup, Brian and Double G here on a Friday night, kind of late on a Friday night too. Uh, I just got done watching the Elvis movie. You see the Elvis movie? No, but my uh, we have like this Xfinity, like the Apple TV or the Roku box. Xfinity has their own because I guess we get it for free because we Wi-Fi. I don't know. When yeah. we moved in here, we got it for free. That's like a free movie this week. So I was mm-hmm. thinking about checking it out. If you don't know a lot about Elvis, I'm not sure if you're going to understand everything because it's so oddly paced. And uh, I, I mean, I knew enough about his career that I was keeping up. But Crystal was like, I, I'm, not, I'm not exactly sure where this thing is going. V- very interestingly directed. But uh, that's what I was how doing do you, before we, how uh, do you, we jumped on. How do you feel about um, like his family was like, I don't know, uh, wife and daughter heavily involved in like the production of it. So it's like, you're telling a story from like their perspective kind of. Yeah. I, so that's the thing with a lot of movies and documentaries these days. And you can kind of blame, uh, MJ for the last dance because he was heavily involved in that documentary as far as the story. But I I feel like, uh, when these movies come out or when these documentaries come out, the, what I try to do is I try to find the, one biography written by a biographer who is just like a unbiased reporter, right? Who just wants to write. And so that's what I did with the Elvis story. There's two books out that a guy did that uh, he he wrote them a while ago too. So I'm, I'm kind of reading through those. And then there's a documentary on HBO max as well called Elvis, the searcher. And so I'm going to listen to that or I'll, I'll watch that. But, uh, but yeah, you know, I know a lot about that career just because he was so famous, but there's some, there's definitely some stuff in that movie where I was like, mm, I don't think it happened that way, buddy. <laughs> um, all right. This didn't know this was going to start off as the Elvis pod, but, uh, did you see, can you see my hat? Yeah. I saw your tweet XFL. So it's the new XFL team, the Vegas Vipers, our good friend, Ben Cruz, who, I think it's going to be on the show next week when we break down the trade deadline. Uh, he said that he thinks he can, he can make it. So we'll bring him on and, and go three man podding with, uh, with our buddy Ben. But yeah, the, we, we decided that we are going to, uh, we're going to follow the, the, the Vegas Vipers and take it as our own team. Do you know who is the owner of the XFL? Is it Vince? It used to be Vince. Vince had it in two different incarnations. And then the person who bought it, none other than Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Really? 
That's crazy. I feel like I've been hearing about the XFL for like a decade now. So the XFL originally came out in, uh, gosh, was it like 2000 or 2001? And it existed for one season. Oh. And they, they lost so much money, they canceled it. So it was a, uh, it was co-owned by NBC, who had just lost the NFL. So they were looking for some more stuff. And Vince McMahon. And so they lost so much money. Didn't do it again. And then for 2020, he restarted it. The pandemic shuts the season down. And then he closes <laughs> it again. He's like, I'm out. That's, so, bad. That's karma. That's karma, man. So I, feel, I think like, I don't know if they bought it out of bankruptcy court or whatever, but uh, The Rock and his ex-wife and his business partner, they all bought it. So it's starting up uh, really soon, I think. I think it's... Um, Those leagues always fail. So you see the other one, the USFL that started last year? Oh, I didn't even know there was a thing. Yeah, so they, they, they're they like on Fox or ESPN or something, but it's like a short season. Mm. Um, they ran all their games out of Birmingham, Alabama. I think they're expanding to some new cities. But yeah, so because obviously, you know, Ben, Ben's, you know, Ben's a bigger fan of the rock than I am. And so I he's like, we got to, he's like, we got to support a team. We're going to support Vegas. So we're supporting Vegas. And then, is that the closest one to us or is there an LA team? No, I, yeah, I think it's Vegas. I don't think there's one in LA or San Francisco. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting right. how like the, they pick their market. So that, that's an interesting process to me. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, we, we, we've avoided talking about the Warriors, but we do need to talk about the Warriors here. So the last time that we recorded, you know, we looked at that schedule like we always do. And we were like, okay, how many games can they win? And so they, they started kind of good, right? They beat the, the Raptors the next day after we recorded. Then uh, on Monday, they beat the Oklahoma City Thunder. Now those games were probably a little bit closer than they needed to be. So we're looking good going into Wednesday. No Carl Anthony Towns. No Rudy Gobert. The Warriors are playing at full strength. And they go and lose to the very average, I guess like themselves, Minnesota Timberwolves. And at that moment, I was being very overly dramatic, as uh, Warriors fans can be. And I was like, I don't know if they got it. This this game, and the reason why I thought that is because this game, knowing that you have Denver in the back-to-back, you're like, okay, we just win the Minnesota game. We take care of business. We go into Minnesota and win. And then, like, you just sit everyone for the Denver game, the back-to-back. No, the Clay's not going to play. And now we saw that Draymond got hurt. He's got a calf thing, and he's also questionable for Saturday's game against Dallas. Steph is playing, I don't know, the most uninspired basketball I've seen from him in quite a while. And I don't I, – I, maybe uninspired is the wrong word, but he just looks like he's overwhelmed out there. He's just like – I don't know. I, I I have to do everything, and it's not fun. Uh, but uh, what did you think about that Minnesota game? Like that, I thought that was one of the more disappointing games of the season. I think. Well, Hulu butt cheeked me, and it didn't record the game, so I only got to watch the highlights. And I like watched the highlights. I was like, oh my god, Stephen Curry is cooking. And I texted yeah. that to my group chat, and they were like, dude, he went like nine for twenty one. <laughs> I was like, wow, his highlights looked really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, that's like the one game. Us. Us. 
Yeah, that's like an important game to like have watched and I didn't get to watch it. I was actually thinking, so I went on the NBA app, you know, you can't watch your home market until like three days after. Yeah. They had a stream up because there was like a Korean broadcast that they were going to allow us to watch that I was genuinely thinking about doing and I still might do it, but I haven't done it yet. So the, what Hulu did was Hulu had the game as a uh, six o'clock start and it was a five o'clock start. So I don't know if the game time is messed up like that. No, it was that I, I wrote it on my, <laughs> I wrote it on my calendar, uh, that, that the Warriors in the beginning of the week, because, uh, my partner likes to know when, when the games are, <laughs> so she can prepare. So she can leave. And so I, I, yeah. So I wrote them on a calendar and I wrote it like I was, it was the, the correct time. So Hulu, they've had that time at least for this week. Yeah. So, what starts recording is the pregame. And so uh, five o'clock was the pregame, according to Hulu. So I got to see the first hour because that's what recorded was the pregame because they thought it was the game. But that, that's only an hour long. So then it stopped. And then I went to the game to see if it recorded correctly. And it didn't. So... What happened is, is I jumped into live and I got to watch overtime and I got to see how um, poorly they played in overtime. It, it was just one of those games where if they take care of business, they go three and one basically since from, from Friday to, to Thursday, knowing that they're going to lose in, in Denver. And like, they're just not the take care of business warriors this year. Like, I feel like, you know, the even last year, last year, they, they they had their struggles in those take care of business games, too. But, man, any other Warriors team just goes up. That's a W. We're going to go out. We're going to kill this Minnesota team and then we'll deal with the Denver thing. But no, they tried so hard to win that game and they could not win that game against Minnesota, who is struggling as well, but didn't have their two best players. Anthony Edwards is their best player, in my opinion. But I hate the excuse that I feel like we continue having to use. And it sounds like such a dumb excuse. And I don't want to, like, give in to the excuse. I think I said it last pod where it's like, they just, like, don't get up for these type of games. Like, that's such a silly excuse in a professional league where you're making millions and millions and millions of dollars. And then Anthony Slater says it. What we I think we all thought was that they might have tried harder if Rudy Gobert was there. Yeah. They like beating up on Rudy. They like, you know, testing Rudy. And that's probably something that's true. But, you know, uh, Minnesota was coming off of a tough loss against Sacramento. That game went to overtime. And they beat Sacramento the first time. And then they played them again like a day or two later and then lost. So they're coming off of a loss. The Warriors are coming off of a win. I mean, you could look into the... um, uh, Oh, the shot chart for overtime. What was it? Like five missed threes. You look at the shot chart and then the, they like, didn't the hit, two or three. I don't think they hit one in the fourth quarter or overtime. Yeah, I I, I, don't, I didn't see it. <laughs> but you look at the, yeah, the shot chart, all the missed threes, and then the three made buckets or two made buckets they have are right in the paint. It's like they this, this team is like, um, I don't know if the three-point shooting is better than it was last year. I feel like they kind of actually do have more shooters if I think about who left and who's still here. It but sort of it's like it still feels if, like if Wiggins can make shots and he, when he did earlier in the season, they looked okay. And now he's not making any, yeah. he's not making like two when, point shots when they're on though. Like when all these shooters are on, it's like really fun to watch and really like, wow, they, they really have some shooters. But at the same time, it feels like they're, 
they're a lot of the time like really off and it's just it's 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 like they just keep settling for that offense that three happy offense of just shot jacking and that's why it's important to have a guy like Kaminga who's just like I'm you know I'm just gonna try to take it to the paint and that's what Wiggins has been struggling in doing scoring at all three levels which is wild like that guy can't like score and then obviously Clay's having like the worst year of his career in my opinion he had those good stretch of games in the beginning of January but I looked at like some stat called dfg percentage i'm assuming it's defensive field goal percentage which would make sense and i believe it is the average shooting percentage of the people no it's how you defend your matchup in the sense of like say i'm guarding you and you score once and you don't score the other time two possessions that then i have a field defensive field goal percentage of 50 percent mm-hmm I held you to a 50%. So Draymond and Jaron Jackson Jr. have a really good one in like the 40s, like low I saw, 40s. I saw that. I saw that stat that you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Like they're, they're, um, Clay has like one of the worst ones, which is interesting. <laughs> like, right? This, this guy who, was, who I used to trust as like a defender. And we've known that his perimeter defense, not necessarily his, pro, it is his perimeter defense, but it's more so his guard defense that has taken a step back because he's lost a step defensively. And I feel like there are some more quick guys that have kind of came into the league since he's or made became prominent since he's gone down, like like a Darius Garland or like a John Morant have like kind of blossomed since he's been down. But at the same time, it's like he cannot guard people right now. And it's so weird. Yeah, their team, their team perimeter defense, we know is bad. They uh they they get duped into you know, double teaming a certain shooter thinking that shot is going up and then it's not. Nope. Then they pass to the guy who who's open in the corner. Uh, that, that happens a lot. I wonder if clay is, is guilty of that, but you know, what's so weird about this and, and what even as frustrated as I am as a Warriors fan, the fact that they are still like tied for eighth in, in this conference is terrible western conference so terrible i look at uh so you know there's a last 10 games record for every team in the western conference in the league well I, i'm looking at the western conference one specifically they uh warriors are five and five in the last 10 there are only two teams who have won at least seven out of their last 10. One of them is the Nuggets, who the Warriors lost to yesterday. And the other one is... Yeah, go ahead. I know it's not Memphis, because they've been losing. I know it's not New Orleans. Three and seven. Yeah. Um, Like, oh, I don't want to guess it, but... Is it Sacramento? Sacramento is six and four. Ah, who's in fourth place? Is it Minnesota? Minnesota is six and four. Oh man, then it's probably like is it like Dallas? Dallas is yeah. 4 and 6. No, okay, I don't know. You can you could do uh, it. the Phoenix Suns. Oh yeah, dang it. So so Denver and Phoenix are 7 out of their last 10. The Grizzlies they're they're struggling 3 out of their last or 3 out of their, their last 10. So they're they're 3 and 7. And then you you mentioned the Pelicans. They're 0 and 10. They've lost 10 straight. So all of these other teams, the Kings, the Mavericks, the Clippers, the Timberwolves, the Warriors, the Blazers, the Jazz, the Lakers, the Thunder. All of those teams are within four 
wins or six wins out of the last 10. And they're like all the same teams that are competing for these spots. So nobody is going on any kind of crazy runs to, you know, to try and pull away. The Nuggets are, you know, the Nuggets are still four games ahead of Memphis, but, you know, Memphis is struggling right now. So they've put some distance on them. The How Kings, many games are they ahead of Sacramento? Memphis. Six and a half. Oh, so, oh, Memphis is only two and a half games. Wow. Ahead. Memphis is going to join the whole two through 12 thing at this rate. So the, the point being, all of these teams that are bunched together, they're all playing, you know, around 500 basketball and nobody is running away with any of these spots. I, I mean, you know, the Kings, uh, the, you know, they have 29 wins and, and 22 losses. The Warriors are 26 and 26. So still there's, you know, there's a three and a half game difference there where, you know, one team goes on a bad run that that could get a lot closer. But you go all the way down to 13. The Warriors are eight. The Thunder are 13. And they're only a game and a half behind the Warriors. The Lakers are sneaking up. And the Lakers could make a trade, right? The, you know, Anthony Davis, they're, they're, they're wholly dependent on Anthony Davis staying healthy. But, like, it's just, if you're the, if you're the Lakers, you look at the Suns at six and you're like, gosh, you know, they're not that far away. If we just get one player, we can catch these guys. And the, my wonder is, is do the Warriors see themselves in the same light? Do they see them? Do they see this thing as like, Hey, we can, we can actually get to three and kill all this nonsense about the playing game. If we find a guy, uh, and we're going to talk about the trade deadline and, and the trades that are sort of thrown out there because I want to get your opinion on some of the most popular ones from the from the writers, the beat writers and the national writers. But I, I, it just seems like, you know, because if we are waiting, you know, we're going to turn it on. The Warriors are going to turn it on. That hasn't happened because their record is exactly 500 and Slater loves to run the stat of like, how many times that they've been 500, like throughout the season. Um, the, you know, Kerr changed the lineup. They go small. It's supposed to create more offense. And they're still a 500 team. Looney and Draymond way. together. They're still a 500 team. Good Wiggins, bad Wiggins. They're still a 500 team. So I don't, I don't really know with their current rotation what they can do to change that. Um, and, and yeah, like I, I, it's just, it's just like who they are. And if they continue to play who they are, then they're going to be battling for that play in, you know, that, uh, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11 range. And that's not, they're going to be super frustrated when it comes to the end of the season and they're playing 500 basketball because you kind of control your own destiny. If you're a good basketball team and either they are playing underneath their, potential or they're an average basketball team and that may be something that we just have to deal with of the defending champions with Steph Curry, Draymond, Clay and Wiggins are an average basketball team. That that's the yeah, one they better follow. I swear like I just don't want to admit that they're like the LA Rams. Like I can't. <laughs> like well, the yeah, the Rams the Rams are like actually really bad. Some, you know, there's injuries involved there and the Warriors have had a, a little bit of injuries too. But it's like um the thing that I was trying to tell myself is there were a couple Shaq Laker years where 
they had injuries. They're kind of hovering around 500, and then they just kind of start winning games when they need to, and then you know, then they get to the third seed or whatever. And I, I just, I just been waiting for that to happen. And it sounds like that's what Steph is waiting to happen. Like you know, he's still pretty optimistic about who they are. Draymond's the one who's very pessimistic about who they are. Um, you know, maybe a little bit more reality check, Draymond. But I mean, if they if they stand pat. Do you foresee this, you know, 10-game winning streak, uh, 15 out of 20? I, I mean, do you can you see that in the future based off of what we've seen so far? Um, I have a few things that I wanted to point out. And I think that this – how do I want to start it? I, I'll, I'll start it differently. I think that there has – they haven't been able to, like – get like synergy and what i mean by that is that in the beginning of the season you had like mvp steph you had all-star wiggins and honestly draymond's been pretty consistent throughout the whole season i think draymond's been a great great player for the entire season but you had mvp steph all-star wiggins as like your things that were going for you and in that first part the first little stretch of the season is sorry first like stretch of the season i think we're like the halfway mark so let, let how about pre-steph injury Post-Steph injury. Pre-Steph injury, Steph MVP season, Wiggins all-star season, Clay awful, Jordan Poole awful, still had not found the rotation, so heavy Jermichael Green minutes. They haven't found out that DiVincenzo and Kaminga should be the sixth and seventh man, clearly. They are have Looney at the center. Um, so, like, you know, that's, that's what they were running with, and it was 500 basketball. Post-Steph injury, we have streaky Steph. We have maybe one of the least effective high-paid players in the league in Andrew Wiggins not playing well whatsoever on both ends of the floor. Um, eh, okay, on defense. Clay Thompson has been way better since he, than he was since the start of the season, but I feel like he's kind of hit another little... It's like very dependent on the type of Clay Thompson we get each night of if he can get going or if he's not forcing stuff. Like Kind of inefficient, though. Not, not very efficient numbers yeah and yeah even when it feels like it's like a clay game it's like oh man he's hitting oh what he's like seven for 19 yeah. he's like five for 19 <laughs> like <laughs> pool definitely better than he was in the first stretch of the season but still it's like it's i get so frustrated with the guy but i'm just i'm and i'm i'm saying that because it's like yeah good wiggins bad wiggins still 500 but it's like all those things haven't been able to be good at the same time second stretch of the season they found kaminga and, and divincenzo as these defensive stoppers these good players that they could use um, so I think I'm, I feel like there's a little bit of optimism in that sense where it's like, if you can get a couple of those things to line up, like a Steph Steph's gets back to a, a pretty darn good season. Wiggins at least becomes competent and you have the Kaminga DiVincenzo thing working out for you. Clay has a couple good nights. Jordan pull off the bench is what I would do. Um, I, I think that there are so that, that things can start going in your favor that way, but nothing in this season has told us that, that things are going to line up like that. So, you know, last week I was like, like, I feel like the, it's just always this, we get optimistic and then we get let down. So it's like, we're just going to keep having this conversation each week. And I guess that's what a 500 team is. We just keep having this conversation. But I feel like this Warriors team is a team that's going to see that, you know, three through 12 is identical and a couple games can, you know, push you into the three or drop you to 12. And I think they're just going to be okay with like, okay, we lose one, we win one, we lose one, we win one. We're just going to be in, at least as long as we're still in it, right? And then by the point that 
teams start to separate themselves where it's like, oh, wow, we're actually like in ninth place and we're like actually in ninth place. Like it's a couple games to get out of ninth place. I feel like then they're going to start trying, but it's almost like they dug dug themselves too deep already. Wasn't that two years ago, though? Isn't that exactly what they did two years ago? Yeah, but two years ago, I feel like they didn't have the roster. They didn't have the talent that they do right now. They were 39 and 33 in that season. That's a better record than the current roster has right now. Then they were so as of right now, like going in All Star break. That's a good question. I, I don't. I don't know what that was. I know the thing that is, they went, remember like, when Steph went down? Steph went down for like 10, 13 games. That's when he is. That when he uh, fell on his butt in Houston. He fell on his butt in Houston. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the tailbone injury. Yikes. Yeah, jeez. That was like okay. one of the greatest individual seasons I've seen in my life, and it sucks that it didn't make the playoffs because of it. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like, maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away, specifically the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. So you brought up Clay. He is shooting the worst field goal percentage overall of his career. He is also taking the most shots per game of his career, which is kind of interesting. I, I didn't realize that. Uh, his three-pointers made, uh, he, it's the highest of his career. Three-pointers attempted per game, highest of his career. Three-point percentage is getting closer to 40. It's not quite at 40. Last year was the lowest that he ever shot it, but that was only 32 games. So through 40, he's slightly ahead of last year's number. Uh, Free throws are around what he's been the last four years. Uh, Rebounds, he's a a tick ahead of of what his highest was. Like his highest was last year at a 3.9. He's at a 4.0. So even though he is a small forward, power forward clay, as Steve Kerr said, still not really grabbing boards. Uh, uh, you know, the tick in boards is not higher. The assists are just average clay, average clay year for assist. Same with turnovers, same with steals, blocks for whatever reason are, are the, you know, really low for him, but really low is like his highest was 0.8 blocks per game. And now he's at 0.4. And so all of that being said, his plus minus is 2.7. Uh, 
uh, the lowest of his good clay years with the exception of last year. So who clay is today is a slight tick down from who he's always been offensively. So you take the best version of clay a slight though. Is it, is it only slight you think? Well, it's, it's slight in that his, it just takes him more shots to basically do the same. His, <coughs> excuse me, his highest points per game ever, 2016, 22.3, 2015, 22.1, uh, 2018, 21.5. This year, 21. It just feels like it's more volume and less efficiency to yeah. get to the same numbers, which I don't think is slight. I think that's like a major tick, but... If if he improves his, his field goal percentage and he gets it in the 30, 43, 44 range, it, it'll, you know, it'll be kind of, you know, average, maybe slightly below average clay season. But the thing about his numbers is that they're so identical almost year after year. And the, the yeah, but but the field goal percentage is, is down and he's just shooting way more threes than he's ever shot before, which. He probably should, right? Like that's that that should have been uh much he should have been shooting eight, nine, ten threes per game, even when he was going great. So agreed. What I don't know, you know, if it's gonna be a Jordan Poole who's just gonna take off. Uh, is it gonna be one of these young players? Is Kaminga gonna take off? It it just seems like this is do you ever see the movie Groundhog's Day? Maybe. I don't know. It, it's just you wake up the same, oh, it's and you thing, do the same, same thing, thing yeah. over and you wake up again. So yep. That's what this season feels like. It's like the same problems and then something happens and we think, oh, maybe they figured it out. No, and then nope, next game, same problems again. So that that all that is set up for what I wanted to ask you about, uh, which is the trade deadline. Trade deadline is in six days, eh, probably five and a half days. And there are two players that are floated as possible Warriors trade opportunities. The one that I've seen the most, and we've talked about this before, we talked about this you know, a couple months ago, was Alex Caruso. Mm-hmm. And I think it was Rob Mahoney on the ringer, and also Chris Mannix, who, I don't know if he's still with Sports Illustrated, but he's with DeZone because he's a boxing guy, but he's also a basketball guy. They both had Alex Caruso for James Wiseman as their Warriors trade. After you watched James Wiseman yesterday, um, actually not even yesterday. I mean, he's been hurt, so that was his, really his first game back. But, you know, this up and down roller coaster of his season, are you still that protective of him when it comes to trade opportunities? I'm definitely less protective. I'm protective of him. Don't get me wrong. Like, I still think like he can be something in this league. Like, I feel like he's been got, he's gotten, he's been dealt a bad hand. Um, and Warriors fans have let him hear it. And I feel like it's sometimes unfair, but at the same time, do I want to feel bad for people making $5 million a year? I don't know. But nine, I think, I think he's like at seven, nine, nine yeah, yeah. like nine or $10 million a year. Yeah. But I think I'm less protective in the idea of trading him just because of where this season's at. Um, but hell, I think like, I don't know if, I don't know why I'm in this Twitter space, but, um, (laughs) 
like uh, someone I did a podcast with on my podcast. He's on the down to dunk stuff with uh, the athletics. Andrew Slug. He is on an athletic NBA show too. His name is Alex Spears. And he said on a podcast that he floated. He, he likes the idea of James Wiseman coming to OKC. And I've been seeing a lot of OKC fans saying it too. And they're thinking more of a three-team trade because, yeah, I said what I told you. I was like, yeah, I feel like Kenrick Williams is the only one that would make sense to come back mm-hmm. in that deal. And it's like, and the OKC fans are like, oh, never mind. But so they're thinking like a three-team um, trade thing. I remember what you told me once, which kind of stuck with me, which was if the smart teams want him, yeah, then maybe we should not give him away. I would classify OKC in that smart team category. I feel like they are the best small market team that's like been around since I was started paying attention to basketball, like the smartest small market team. So I would be a little, makes me a little worried because there was a, a couple of things with the, um, the fans were, were bringing up. They were like showing these videos of like, they felt like uh, taking it back to the Miami game when they were in Miami, that Kerr was using Wiseman incorrectly. Kerr was using him as a drop big playing drop defense when really he should be like the versatile, like, okay, I get put on a switch. Like, that's not the worst thing that could happen. And that's what I was kind of saying, too, how we, he's able to stay in front of people. So, uh, there's, you, there's you, know what, conversations. You, you know what the sort of the unspoken thing about that is, though, is he's coming off of a knee injury, right? So, maybe Kerr doesn't want him to do that because Kerr doesn't think that that mobility is there yet. Because he had the knee thing, uh, I don't know. Which caused Kerr's, him to miss all last year. I don't know if Kerr's being protective of injuries of young guys, or I don't not know. E- I, not I, not even the injury. He just doesn't want to put Wiseman on an island and and get. It beat. just feels like why not try it a couple times in a position, like uh, once or twice. Like there was a couple times where he gets switched on to people, and it's like, wow, he's staying in front of Jimmy Butler. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. why not? And, and, why not and try he, it out a little. Really, he's different, really long, different. Yeah, lots. Of, I, I'm more. I'm more. I wasn't uh, protective of all the young guys not trading them. I'm more like, hey, if you can get Jalen McDaniel's for Moses Moody, let's do it right now. Mm-hmm. I just so that's don't know the one that you there. Like. That's the one that I like. If that's available, that's what I would do. I don't know if I'm there yet with Wiseman because depends on the player you get back. For Caruso, I know what Caruso would bring to this team. I know that giving up Wiseman for Caruso, you get Caruso back, you're probably like a guaranteed third seed. And I know, you know, Caruso's not some all-star guy, but he is like one of the best guard defenders in the league. He plays warrior basketball to a T. Like he would seemingly fit right in. No issues. I get that. But I still think <laughs> I still think what we've seen from clay lately of him not really being clay thompson and you wonder with steph and draymond it's like okay yeah let's give these guys the best opportunity to get another championship but you really do wonder how much time is left and when that time's gone and we have nothing and nothing to root for except like a glenn robinson alec burks year again for like five years (laughs) straight until we load up again that's gonna be a little (laughs) frustrating but i do get it if you get another championship do it but at the same time i still think wiseman could be a guy he like be an all-star guy so I'm still weighing that, and I'd like why, to see like them develop. Why does Minnesota want to trade him? Minnesota want to trade who? You said Jaden McDaniels. It's Jalen. Did I say Jaden? I meant Jalen. Yeah, you said Jaden. Oh, Jalen. So, so the the one that is on, they're brothers, right? Yeah, they're brothers. Jaden's untradeable. Jay, they're not. You're not touching Jaden. Yeah. Okay, that's what I thought. Um, so the Jalen is on Charlotte. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. I mean, he doesn't shoot the the basketball very well. Uh, 
Should I use my so cool little advanced so analytic thing? Yeah, so he's bringing basically wing wing depth, wing defense. I think I think he would just be better Anthony Lamb in specific areas, like defensive versatility. Like the guy, I don't know if you know if you've seen Jaden McDaniel's game, but he legit can guard one through five. Like he's yep. like six nine with like an insane wingspan, can guard one through five. His brother is just a little less of that. So, is he younger? No, he's older. He's like 25. Oh, yeah. He he's is, the older brother. He's way older. Got it. Let's see if I can so, stuff. So, if, so you're saying Moody and what is the salary for? Did you see Moody against Denver? Yes. <laughs> like, I would, was he always this bad as like a point of attack defender? Like, I just, I was so surprised on how, like, it felt like out of place he was the whole time. Like everyone was quicker than him type of thing. That felt like not the Moses Moody I remember watching last year. I mean, I think it's the Moses Moody that we've seen this year for sure. Oh, 100%. Yeah, he has not been not been good. So, so yeah. So, Jay, uh, Jalen McDaniels is an unrestricted free agent after this year. He's only making uh, less than $2 million this year, though. I know. Yeah. Okay, so... You know the Caruso thing. I, who knows if that's even on the table? But you know, two two writers had mentioned that. Going back to Wiseman, I know this probably has something to do with his confidence and with why he probably believes that he's not playing. And even listening to Warriors Plus Minus, Kawakami and and Thompson were like, "Well, he wasn't as bad as he was." But he also didn't do anything. I just wanted that guy to try and gobble up every possible rebound that was available. And he seemed to be way more concerned about getting back on defense. Now, maybe that's a Jokic thing. And, you know, maybe that was part of the game plan. Like, don't let Jokic get out, you know, in transition on you. But I also saw a couple of rebounds that were kind of out there. And I was like, hmm, I think James, I think he could have actually got that if he tried for it, both offensive and defensive. There is that lack of like killer mentality that we talked about earlier this year. I was like, and I know watching young Shaq and trying to compare him to any big is, is ridiculous, but I was watching that Shaq documentary on, on HBO max and, you know, talk about athlete driven documentary <laughs> Uh, but it was still fun because Shaq is fun. And you just watch Shaq. Like his whole mentality was like, I'm getting every rebound. I'm blocking every shot. If I get it in the post, I'm just crushing people. Like try and stop me. Like that was just his mentality. Wiseman's a different player. Ray's differently. He obviously wants to shoot. He wants to be a little bit of a ball handler. I get that part of it. Not everyone has the Shaq mentality. You gotta have twenty five percent of that, though, and and that's probably what's uh, frustrating a lot of Phoenix fans with, with Aiton too, right? Aiton wants to be the skilled big, and they're just like, "Can you just dunk the basketball one time <laughs> instead of going for layups?" Like that. I mean, that's some of it, right? And 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 the game has changed so much, and these guys are not taught to be just put this guy under the basket type of centers. Uh, but man, I just wanted to see Wiseman. I was like, okay, Jokic is just going to put, 
his forearm in your chest. You know he's going to throw a couple of post moves, and he's going to throw some sort of hook, some sort of little shot. How about you just try and block this thing instead of staying low, even though he's going to push you over no matter how low you stay? I was like, why are you trying to block it? Like, show how you're, you know, show how tall you are. Maybe get a piece of it. But no, he was very, you know, sort of wanted to hold his ground and that he wasn't going to stop anything Jokic did. I just was like, man, if you had blocked Jokic's shot, Kerr would have probably jumped up off the bench and been like, okay. Or if you would have snatched this rebound out of nowhere and kept the possession alive, Kerr would have been like, all right. But he didn't do any of that. He wanted to stay home on everything. He just plays like he doesn't want to make a mistake, which is unfortunate because he's so he's so talented. And that might that might be where Moody is, is as well, right? JK gets a little bit more freedom, but JK also has that mentality that uh, you know he probably is like, yeah, I'm gonna get in trouble, but who cares? Yeah, and but he plays and, with and... some freedom. I think that's a good point, but and I feel like he's understood what he needs to do to get playing time, and he's just like focusing on all that stuff. A lot less JK on ball stuff to start a possession. It's more like he's a grenade sometimes. Um, but yeah, that I, I mean, I think what's ironic is that I keep saying we have the same conversation like almost every week because they're five hundred. Yep, and like we've had that Wiseman conversation before against the magic when he had like one of the worst games we've ever seen him ever have, or maybe any player has ever had. And that's the conversation we had where it's like, he plays too scared almost to like get pulled out. He doesn't want to make mistakes type of thing. Um, So yeah, like again, if people are in favor of trading Wiseman, like I'm, I'm less protective of that idea now. Like it's like, okay, do it for me. I'm still more like if you trade him, I want equal return. I want someone who I value or I think is equal return of Wiseman. And I think, Mm -hmm. I don't think Caruso is enough. That's just where I stand. But I could see how Caruso would help this team, you know, leaps and bounds, basically. But I just think that, like, a player... Like, how about a Sadiq Bey straight up for Wiseman? I'd probably do that, even though Caruso is the better player than Sadiq Bey right now. I get it. I still think Sadiq has the potential. He's a Villanova guy. You know, uh, Lakeup likes him. Uh, you know, uh, Villanova guys usually do well in the Warriors offense because they run a system and a set, too, in Villanova. So... I, and then Sadiq, I think, still has like can can get a lot better at at a wing, and he's at a wing position too. So that's probably like where where my starting trade Wiseman for type of player would be like that type of that type of guy, Sadiq Sadiq Bay's value. Whoever's around Sadiq's value, I'd I'd probably trade Wiseman for. But Caruso, it's just I just we know who Caruso is. He's 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 reached the peak of his career, and it's a good player. Don't get me wrong. It's just not who I want to trade the second overall pick for, who I think could be a multi-time all-star still, you know? Caruso, like you said, whoever comes in, whoever the Warriors, if the Warriors trade for anybody, that person takes the lamb minutes if they are a wing. If they, if they are a, a, a four or a three, they're just taking lamb's minutes. That that's That's the player that the Warriors need to replace. And then That's what push. I said in the beginning of the year, though. Isn't that what I, I, don't, I don't know if you remember, but one of the first things I said was like, who do the Warriors need? Like just a two or three times better Anthony Lamb. Like I've just been yep. saying that the entire year. He is good as your 10th man. And he is good in spurts as your as your eighth man. I could totally see a scenario where it's like 
you know, it's guys are, you know, maybe getting injured or off to a slow start. And it's like, let's just throw Anthony Lamb in there. Like maybe he'll just shoot two threes and make both of them and then pull them out. But you know who he is on this team? He is your boy, Eric Paschal, or Pascal. <laughs> That's who he is. Like uh, Eric. Yeah, I guess. I mean, you know, uh, maybe he's still, because I don't think, I don't think he's in the league anymore, right? Is he? Yeah, he's not. No, he's not. So, you know, not to say that I want that for Anthony Lamb. He, I want him to. Anthony Lamb's skill set will allow him to stick around more in the league. Eric Pascal couldn't shoot the three ball, and it was more like he just did dribble pull ups and like tried to body people when it's like you're already undersized as it is and you can't play defense. Like, oh, Eric Pascal's, I had the worst skill set to translate into today's game. But on that bad team that you were talking about, He's, he's, who best they would, he, he's who they would go to when they needed a bucket. Yeah. And that's who Anthony Lamb thinks he is when he comes into the game. He's like, oh, we need a bucket. I'm, I, I Just let me. <laughs> me let that's me who. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, okay. The other name that was thrown out, and I don't think you like this one at all. But Matisse, uh, Heibel, no. Yeah. The, he, he's also rumored. Uh, there was a, uh, I forget the writer who, who said that the Warriors were looking at him. Um, but you, you're, you're anti. Why, why are you so anti? I'm also anti Vanderbilt, even though I really like Vanderbilt. I think he's like an all hustle energy guy. I just think that like, yeah, you've made a point that the Warriors do well with non shooters. But like, how many can they do well with? You know, like last year's playoff run, I mentioned it to you. It was like you think of the people who couldn't shoot the basketball. It was Draymond, Looney and Gary Payton. Those were the three who non shooters who got consistent playoff rotation minutes. And if you're getting, you know, this trade, like you said, it's taking Lamb's minutes and Lamb's probably like the eighth or ninth guy right now. So he's probably going to get some playoff run, whoever takes his spot. And if you want to add in another non-shooter, now you have Draymond, Looney, Kaminga, even though Kaminga has been kind of hitting lately, Kaminga and this new, next person who's coming in, whether it's Matisse or Vanderbilt, of four non-shooters who you don't trust to shoot the basketball in a league that's predicated around three-point shooting, you know, like to be successful. I just think that that's a recipe not for success is getting another non-shooter another i think it works with the three but i did four just seems like too much four four guys well, out, of, I mean, out but, of eight or nine guys in your rotation can't shoot the ball i mean Kaminga played last year too he just didn't play that much of the he final. didn't play the playoff rotations he didn't play when it mattered is what it was my point was yeah it's tough i i think um I, i'm not saying that they should bring in another non-shooter but I do think if you do if you do value somebody and you believe that person can lock up, they are a average to below average defensive team this year. And you remember mm-hmm. remember we looked at those stats a few uh, probably a month ago now, where just on the road they just give up a crazy percentage of three pointers, and like you're gonna have to go in somebody's court. And get some stops. And so if somebody, if you believe that person can, can do it, then then maybe, but maybe, you know, Caruso could possibly do it too. Like, I think they would look at him in the same way, but he could, sh- you know, he could shoot a little bit. Uh, is there any other candidates who you've seen tied to the Warriors name? Just really quick. At the worst team that, that strike your fans. Yeah. All of Matisse's numbers are down this year from like pre- all his, this is like his worst year of his career. He can't hit the yeah, rotation. He's not even with- playing. He's not cra- he's not cracking the rotation with Doc. He's shooting 51.9 Wait, hold on. He's shooting 59% at the rim. That's a 32 what is this called? Uh 
30, 32nd percentile for wings in 2022 to 2023. Yeah, he ranks in like the Kelly Oubre, RJ Barrett range and he's 32 percent from three he's just he's just not a good offensive player is what i'm trying the point i'm trying to make here i'm still trying to understand how to how to read these numbers but yeah not a good offensive player um who else could the warriors potentially get like i mean have this, you seen anybody else tied to them who you kind of like who i kind of like is a different story i do like vanderbilt um I might have to think about that one a little more, but the, the interesting thing is, is like, it doesn't feel like there's that many people available names mentioned that are like, you know, that good. I feel like, like outside of the Raptors guys, there's really no high level player that's been mentioned or rumored that heavily. Like the Kuzma rumors have completely fallen off. Cause it just sounds like it's obvious that Washington's going to resign him now. Cause he's been so good, but yeah. like the Raptors guys, OG Gary Trance, Saul. Okay. A Van Vliet, maybe uh, Siakam. I don't even know if they're going to trade Siakam. Probably not. But it just, it's just, uh, I don't know. There's there's not many not many available names up for right now. But we'll see as the deadline comes closer. Obviously, like the Kyrie Irving thing that happened today. Like there are things that could just happen like that and unfold where, and there's a, there's a point to be made that we don't know who the sellers are yet because like you said in the West, although it's like a blessing and a curse that all these teams are so close together because all these teams think they can make the playoffs and they don't really, there's there's definitely like small market teams that don't really like have championship aspirations. They're like, oh my God, if we can get the playoffs, that's a playoff check. Like <laughs> that that's a lot of money they can make in their stadium. So that's why, you know, a lot, that's why the play in, a lot of teams are going to try to go for it. And that's why I don't know if there's how many sellers there's going to be this year in the in the market so we'll have to we'll have to keep an eye out okay but we hear the the lakers in every trade rumor right and then we can talk about the Kyrie thing right now Kyrie says that he wants to be traded before the deadline i think this is a little bit of a uh who blinks first poker game because if you are the net side uh you've had this guy who is a still a, a really good player, but you had the drama with him earlier this year and his social media and the stupid stuff that he was, he was posting. You had the stuff with the vaccine last year. So there's a trust factor with the nets on, on whether or not the Kyrie business is, is good for nets business. And so because of that, they're not talking, um, you know, deal with him. They're not talking, you know, let, let, let's, let's talk about your next deal. They're kind of playing that waiting game. They're, it's almost like, well, he's playing good now. <laughs> is he going to play good in two weeks? Or is he going to be happy in three weeks? Or come playoffs when he, when he and KD are, are healthy, can what, what do we get out of them? Are they, uh, are they still that killer twosome who can go to the Eastern Conference Finals? So I think there's a lot of just let's, we need to see what we have with him and we need to see how he deals with this, uh, you know, the, this harsh, this, this harsh uh, last, you know, whatever last quarter of the season or, or whatever that, that they want to see. And then from his point of view, he's probably, he's like, I, I should be one of the, one of the best players. You need to show me that you see me as one of the best players. But if you're if you're the Nets, you're are you that sad if Kyrie doesn't resign? I mean, maybe maybe that has something to do with 
KD and maybe KD gets frustrated and then you have another problem like like earlier this year. But I just I think they're playing poker with this guy. Uh, I think his stepmom is his agent from what I understand. And she is a little frustrated with the lack of communication. I, I forget what podcast I heard. I, it may, it may have been on uh, the new uh, Haynes and, uh, and Steiny Mo show, this league uncut with the stupid hashtag at the front, which makes it almost so hard to search for. I searched for this league uncut in my just podcast. Look up names. App. It's a lot easier to look up just like Mark Stein, but in, in my podcast app, you have to actually add the show. I wasn't looking in Google. Yeah. Like I could have found it in Google. No, no, I know. On on the podcast app, I feel like you could just look up Mark Stein on the Apple Podcast app. You'll find his podcast. You click it and you press subscribe. You have to look at me, fact check me. But Stein I think had, Stein had a Stein probably tied to a couple shows, uh, historically, uh, old. That's what I did for Bob Myers' show. Actually, you yeah, did. I just looked up Bob Myers' name when the first episode with Steph came out, and it was the first thing. So searching for this league uncut found me nothing. And then I had to put the stupid hashtag in the front and then it, it found it. But yeah. So, you know, the, why are the Lakers involved in all of these rumors and the warriors are not, maybe that says something about the Lakers and how desperate they might be, but also at the same yeah. time you have LeBron and Anthony Davis to the top 25 players in the league. And they seem to be, in all of this stuff. So I like, cause if they were to get a third guy, I almost feel like they're even with the warriors at that point. And I think so too. Like if they get Kyrie, are they like Denver Memphis level? Like just in terms of like, when you're thinking of, um, I don't know, ch- talent. And then I guess chance to get to the top. I, I think there's going to take, they would take a little time to gel. So that, that would be something. And then you know, they're not even 500 yet, but could they get cooking? LeBron and Kyrie already sort of know how to play with each other. Yeah. Um, but yeah, could they it's get a team cooking? you don't want to see in the playoffs, like regardless of where they end up in the seeding. Like I, I say, if they get Kyrie, it's probably realistic that they get the three seed. That would just probably be realistic. And you just, you just don't want to see them. Like even, yeah. I don't know if you've been checking out any of the Laker games recently. Like they kind of come down to the wire and then yeah, they're, you know, they're the all ref, close and they're, like they're all close. Late. And like yeah. when Rui's gotten there, they've actually been like, a, they look kind of good. And so that would worry me if they get, but Westbrook has been helping them a little bit, but he still has his Westbrook plays, but you know, you, you give up Westbrook and the two picks for Kyrie. So. Uh, all right. Last thing. Who are your all-star snubs for the revert for the reserves? I think Anthony Edwards is the number one for me. I did, we did our uh, all-star episode. And for me, like my, I had like criteria of, I treat every season as like an individual season as if NBA has never happened before. This is the first time you're watching the NBA. And I say that because, so no one gets like the reputation vote, like Kawhi Leonard, even though he didn't make it, Kawhi Leonard wouldn't make it because he's not, hasn't played this year really. But just because he's Kawhi Leonard, he doesn't make it. That was one of my criteria. The second criteria was a minimum of games played type of thing. It's more important, like minutes played. Um, like you had to be like over like 1,100 minutes for me to count you. And Anthony Edwards has not missed a game this year. And he has like, the he's like the reason why uh, Minnesota is at the sixth seed right now. And... Um, and Jaron Jackson Jr., I, I did a little spiel on him where it's like, I get that he's the defensive player of the year uh, front runner candidate right now, but 
I almost feel like that Memphis defense as a as a unit is already like pretty darn good and him just being in it obviously makes it better and takes him like what one one or two in defense and he's the defensive player of the year leader because they're one or two in defense but i looked at i looked at him draymond draymond versus jaron par for par bar for bar punch for punch and all the defensive statistics that i think matter they're tied in or draymond's better like mm-hmm. i feel like people look at blocks and steals too much to calculate a good defender and like if you block a shot that doesn't even mean you got possession you could block a shot and they still get possession of the other team still retains possession. I just don't think that's what makes you a good defender. I think what makes you a good defender is that defensive field goal stat where it's how do you guard? How does the, how does your matchup score on you? I think that's what makes a good defender. And I think defensive versatility as well makes a good defender. And I think Draymond is a versatile defender, but we don't see his versatility that much because he plays like the help side quarterback and he's not really like, guarding someone at the perimeter. It's more like reading stuff and then reacting the read and react stuff. But I just think, I don't know. I'm, I'm just always impressed by Draymond every time I watch him play defense. And I can't say the same about Jaron, but their stats kind of do line up. It's just that Jaron's in this uh, uh, good defensive team who's ranked one or two. And it just makes it obvious that he's probably going to get that award, but we're talking about all-stars and Jaron is still below a thousand minutes played. And he is like tied with like Paul George and games played, which is weird. So think this, I think Paul George, well, I'm Paul gonna, George made the team. Didn't I'm he? just going to say numbers off the top of my head. Cause I think they're around this ballpark. I think Paul George is at like 11 or 1200 minutes played um, with like, say like 35 games played. I think Jaron is at like 35 games played, but he's at like 800 something minutes played. He only and averages because- 27 minutes a game. It's because he fouls out all the time. It's because he, <laughs> he gets into foul trouble, so he takes away his minutes, and so he's not playing that much. And I think he missed my minutes per game thing. Like he missed his my fou- his fouls are actually a little bit down historically this year. Like he's doing a lo- uh, doing a better job, but also because he's had the the knee injuries, I think they they just don't come don't the playoffs. Anymore. Come the playoffs, he'll probably t- tick up the minutes a little bit. Yeah, uh, but I'm surprised you didn't say. Deer and Fox. I thought that would be the one that when you line up them and I know it's not, you shouldn't like, you shouldn't just look at stats. You should do eye test too. Obviously stat for stat Edwards has him in like every category. And I think De'Aaron Fox is the second best player on his team in a three seed. And I think Anthony Edwards is the reason why the wolves are at the six seed. And I think if you want to give a team two representatives in the all-star game, um, I don't think the Kings were the one to do it with. So that's just where Denver, I stood on Denver, it. Denver didn't get two, right? They only got Ten, one. Yeah, they they because they're Jokic is just like far and away their best player, and their second best player is like think of it like worse than like Wiggins last year, and he got an All Star nod. I guess it's like a way J- I'd look at it. Jamal Murray not having the... Jamal Murray. I think Aaron Gordon had the better chance. Yeah, that was the, yeah we heard that one. Aaron that was Gordon. that was a name that I heard being floated. But I think that so yeah, my issue was Jaron Jackson Jr. making it. I think I tweeted right away. I was like, I have five reasons why Jaron shouldn't make it. Yeah, and he hasn't. He's, he's just. I don't, 16 points a game, six and a half rebounds. Like, like you always get your token defender, like in every all-star game, like your token defender always just gets the all-star nod. And I think it should be like that defense matters and stuff, but I just don't think Jaren Jer- was the one to do it with. I think Nick Claxton has been better hell, but um, on the East, I was surprised Siakam didn't make it. That was definitely the snub, but I get it. The bad record, but it's like, he's clear and he's clearly the fifth best forward. no, yeah, the fifth best forward in the East. You have your top four in the Embiid, Tatum, KD, Giannis thing. Embiid, uh, Siakam's like clear cut in a way like fifth. And then you can go like Bam and like Julius Randle. But I think the record thing was definitely what kind of took him out of it. And I, I understand that. 
I was it was weird that Harden didn't make it. That was a weird one. Um, Drew Holiday got it over him, and I'm not too mad about it because I think Drew Holiday has been like, you know, uh, playing having a good year. He's pretty available when like Giannis and Middleton have been down and like trying to keep that seat that team afloat while they've all been down. So I get it. Um, Trey Young didn't make it. I'm kind of happy about that, but I was surprised he didn't make it. So yeah, I think my main snub is definitely Anthony Edwards and Siakam. I'm just really surprised Anthony Edwards. Um, Anthony so Edwards. You, so you would, you would have put him over Jaron over Jackson. Fox. Him over Fox over Jaron Jackson. Yeah, I I I put him over Paul George too. Yeah, Paul George is an interesting one. I mean, Dray- Draymond didn't make it. Uh, Draymond's having <laughs> this thing. He just doesn't score the basketball, but assists and rebounds, solid. Obviously, he plays great D. I knew he wasn't going to make it, though. I knew he wasn't going to make it, too. <laughs> but I-, I tried to make the argument in my podcast group of, like, guys, like, look, like, Draymond and Jaron are, like, damn near identical players in terms of defense, which is what they're both known for. And Draymond sometimes has the edge on him in some important defensive stats, and they just cut me off. They're like, Dude, he's not going to make it. And I was like, I know. <laughs> <And> so... <laughs> All right, predict. We'll get out of here in a second, but I want you to predict. Do the Warriors make a move at the trade deadline that is actually substantial? I'm not talking about like, you know, dumping Ryan Rollins for a for second money. round pick or, or anything like that. Like, do they make an actual move to improve their basketball team to make a push for this playoffs? Oh my goodness. There's so many things that can happen from here until the trade deadline. It's just so, it's such a weird trade deadline. I feel like we just don't really know for most teams and we would have a better idea at this time of the year. And so it's hard to make that prediction, but I'm going to say, I'm going to say like 51% yes, 49% no. Like it's still like, I don't know if that seems like a lame answer. So I'll just go with the yes. I think a Jalen McDaniels, not necessarily the player, but that type of player that rank of player in like the Vanderbilt range and the Tybal range and the Jalen McDaniel, they're all in like that same tier of player. Basically. I think we get one player of that tier and I kind of hope it's Moody gone. <laughs> if there's one to part ways with dude, he's been, he was so unimpressive. I'm, I'm confused. We watched him in Santa Cruz, like this bucket getter, like, yeah, yeah the competition and the talents down in the G league, but man, he was taking tough shots. He was hitting tough shots playing good defense, but you put him out there and he's like supposed to be this three and D guy and he could not stay in front of someone, which was wild for me to see. And then obviously if his shot's not hitting, then he's a minus player out there. So, okay. I'm going to make a prediction here. Do it. The Warriors going to Dallas. Draymond. Dallas coming here. Oh, sorry. Did yet. Yeah, the Warriors play Dallas. Draymond's going to suck it up. Luca is not going to play. And the Warriors are going to win that game. Then. Oklahoma City comes on Monday. Warriors are going to win that game. They go to Portland on Wednesday. They're going to beat Dame. Warriors are going to win that game. They're going to be three games over 500. And then the front office is going to go, see, it's working. <laughs> yeah, we don't need to make a move. And they're not going to make a move. That is yeah, my- it wouldn't surprise me. 
But also, I feel like on the Giants podcast, like Brad is the one who's overly optimistic on record. Yeah. And you're the one who's less, uh, you're more pessimistic and more realistic when it comes to record. No yeah. disrespect to Brad. And actually, no, yeah, he's, he's, de- he's probably guessed why, the majority like, of them, right? <laughs> that's why I like him because he's, he's but, very optimistic about no, it. No, yeah. But I think you're the optimistic one right now for the Warriors and saying they'll win three straight games when have they won three straight games once this season? Maybe I, I, don't even, I don't even say it because I believe it. I just say it because it's going to be like of course that's what's gonna happen of course that's how they're gonna talk themselves into this team is good enough to win the title that's what's gonna happen i think we're gonna be having the same conversation next week like i've been saying for the past couple weeks it's like oh they're good oh they're not (laughs) well they have three games for the deadline and then after the deadline the lakers so if the lakers do make a deal that Saturday game is going to be kind of uh, yeah. probably a big deal, right? It's the okay, day before well, the Super Bowl in San Francisco. Lakers come to town. It's an ABC game. It's LeBron and his, you know, and his subtle tweets with with the eyeballs and the king crown. Uh, whatever happens there, like that, that's that all of a sudden becomes a giant game if the Lakers make a deal. Yeah, let me let me pitch to you a scenario, and we can close it out, um, or if you want to close it out, but. Let's just say, like, all the contending teams that we think that, you know, are better than the Warriors right now and have a shot at taking out the Warriors in the playoffs, Denver, Memphis, Boston, um, L.A., if they get Kyrie, like, that's the only way, if they get Kyrie, uh, Bucks, and even, like, a Phoenix. Like, say they all make a substantial move. Say Phoenix gets OG Ananobi or Memphis gets OG Ananobi. Uh, What if Denver ends up with Jalen McDaniels? What if Vanderbilt goes to Boston? What if... Jay Crowder goes to the Bucks. It's like if all these teams are making these moves, not just for like a player, not for like any player of like they get someone cruddy just to fill out the back of their rotation, like an actual player to contribute to a playoff roster. Like if the like I'm really wondering, like would the Warriors stand packed? Because I feel like they're not a team to make desperation moves. Like that off that organization, the front office is like they're smart, and I don't think they would do something like that. But if all these teams really start to make these like kind of go get it moves and the Warriors are standing here with all these assets and not going to do anything like that just feels un Warriors like or un light years like honestly so I'm wondering like is the Katie thing (laughs) 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 well then then you're giving up Wiggins and everyone else on the uh, yeah who's young fine with me what did they do last year at the deadline did they do anything (sighs) I feel like they because they already had they, they had auto they had GP they had Kaminga, they had Moody, all those guys. Beelitz, the only uh, player who I remember being on the roster and not being on the roster was Jeff Doutwin Jr., who I think was two-way, though. So that's why I think he wasn't. I don't know if it was a trade deadline move, but I think he, I don't, I think he was on a two-way deal. So Yeah, it's not, it's not very I don't easy. Think they, and the year before that, that was, the, that was the Wanamaker year, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. Uh, I'm. I'm trying to. I'm trying to look and see if they did anything. I don't think they did anything. I don't think so either. You know. And oh. the what you remember? Well, I was, no, it's going to be completely off from this stuff. I was going to say that Jermichael Green starting to hit threes. <laughs> if you, you know think, what? I wonder what his percentage from since the Cleveland game when they like won the game they shouldn't have. Like I think he's probably been like a forty something percent three point shooter since then. You know what he's also still doing. Missing dunks. Missing dunks. I think that that him that him and Wiseman lineup that felt on purpose. I think that's what Slater was saying too. That they were trying to see how that looked together, and it 
didn't look awful from what I was watching. Well, but then in Kerr's meeting with Wiseman and saying, you know, the league changes and you got to adapt and whatever, he was saying that he's playing uh, JMG ahead of Wiseman because JMG is playing better. And I was like, yeah, but was that the was that the four center line playing better? Is that the four centers line? Like we can't play four centers or whatever that line was. Well, I think they had he had like a one on one meeting with James, and and when he was talking about that meeting with the press, he was saying that they've chosen to go JMG over Wiseman because they think that he's playing better. Right, Michael at the five is like a bad decision. (laughs) Like I don't know how them they they made him guard Jokic yesterday. That was not nice. Yeah, they were like, "Come on, you've done this in practice a lot. Yeah. You know his moves." And he's like, "Yeah, I know. He's gonna throw forearm in my chest. I'm gonna fly backwards, and he's gonna hit a little, little, uh, little shot." I don't know how you play Jamichael over Wiseman, especially at the five. Like, I think Jamichael could be Jamichael's kind of Anthony lambing it offensively a little lately, which I I think is interesting. Yeah, kind of. All right, what's up with the uh, Bam this week? We're going to do a trade deadline preview on Sunday. Um, I was supposed to talk to a scout uh, last week that didn't mm-hmm. fall through, but that's I, I, I that'll that'll happen in like the next week or two. Cool. All right. Um, so that's it. We'll be back next week. I'm not sure the date yet because I have to actually go into the office on Thursday. So if we record Thursday, it may have to be a little later. Um, but the Warriors have from they have Thursday, Friday off, so we could either do it Thursday or Friday. But uh, yeah, Ben Cruz says he is going to to join with us, so that'll be fun. Uh, our our text conversation becomes the podcast uh, about Warriors basketball. All right, so for Bry, I am Double GC. When we see you, peace out. This is Colin Kelly from the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Podcast Network. In case you didn't know, the show you are listening to right now, as well as my show, is part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Blue Wire was founded in 2018 on the concept that independent podcasts would be more successful if they worked together. Today, Blue Wire has grown to feature 300 shows led by former athletes, media professionals, and passionate fans. And over the past few years, Blue Wire has privately raised over $10 million to expand their team podcast network and business operations, now they are raising another round on WeFunder. WeFunder is a crowdfunding service that connects startups with investors. It's a cool platform that gives everyone the opportunity to be a part of a growing startup. You can invest as little as $100. In other words, you don't have to be a millionaire to invest in cool companies on WeFunder. BlueWire is raising money to expand their sales team and improve operations, which in turn will help this show continue to grow. If you would like to be part of the BlueWire Invest round or want to find out more information go to wefunder.com forward slash blue wire